Hi, this is Dr. Sean Handorp, clinical psychologist and health behavior expert, and this is the Motivation Made Easy podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you science-backed information, strategies, and inspiration to master your relationship with food so that you can feel in control of your habits, respect your body, and free your mind to focus on the things in life that truly matter. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I've had years of experience doing research and patient care in the field of weight management and eating disorders. So I've had the insider view on understanding what works and what we're getting very, very wrong. In this podcast, you'll find practical information and tips based on motivation science, interviews from experts, and stories from real people and how they've navigated their relationship with food. My goal is to empower you with information, inspire you to make changes that fit you, and feel 100% supported along the way. So settle in and make yourself comfortable, and get excited to learn and take action for a better, healthier, more energized life. Hey everyone, Dr. Hondor Pierre, back with this kind of third episode of a three-part series. In this episode, the last two episodes, we talked about support and accountability. And in this episode, we're going to talk about flexibility or psychological flexibility and how this concept is crucial to moving towards getting more of what you want in your life, more courage, innovation, creativity, essentially more freedom to Live in a way that's consistent with the person you want to be and show up in the world the way that you want to. So I'm super excited to dive in today. So we're going to talk about this, again, this concept of psychological flexibility. And this concept is really important if you ever feel like you're playing whack-a-mole with your negative thoughts, like, okay, I'm supposed to feel worthy and I'm supposed to feel great. I'm supposed to have internal motivation and never have diet mentality, should thoughts. And then when negative thoughts or self-doubt come in, they just become another way to feel like you failed and a way, a reason to be frustrated with yourself. So this episode's for you if you ever think, why can't I just be confident? Why do I care so much what other people think? So this idea of psychological flexibility is overlapping with the idea of acceptance. So you might have heard a lot about that term, perhaps if you've heard about acceptance or mindfulness. Acceptance does not mean accepting everything as it is and becoming complacent. And it also doesn't mean accepting things aren't going to change. It just means being willing to have uncomfortable thoughts, emotions, and physical sensations in service of your most important values. So your strongest why, your reason and purpose for living and doing whatever it is you're setting out to do. So again, this conversation builds on our previous ones about support and accountability. So those are the last two weeks. Check those out if you haven't already. Accountability can be incredibly useful as we work through discomfort because it's very tempting to avoid because we are designed, our brains are designed to avoid discomfort. Makes sense, right? 
So we're going to talk today about why the concept of just think positive is a major problem and rarely moves us in a good direction or a positive direction in our lives. This similar concept was talked about on Brene Brown's podcast recently, Toxic Positivity. If you haven't checked out the episode, you totally should. Toxic positivity is this idea of just think positive. Don't be negative. You must have, you can't have negative thoughts because it'll keep you from moving forward in a positive way. And when in fact the opposite is true, that emotional agility or being able to navigate the world in a positive, flexible, adaptive, resilient way means acknowledging positive and quote unquote negative, uncomfortable stuff. So we're going to talk today about the concepts of psychological flexibility and acceptance. This is primarily derived from acceptance and commitment therapy, and we'll talk about what that is, and how these concepts can get you unstuck and moving forward regardless of how quote-unquote motivated you might be feeling. So excited to dive in. As a reminder, all of the content here in the blog and podcast is educational in nature and is not to be construed as any form of professional relationship or professional advice. And also, I have a free resource about clarifying your values. So if you're like, I don't know my why, I don't know my values, Sean, what is the, how can I get more clear on that? I have a step-by-step guide to help you walk through that free guide that you can check out by going to the show notes, going to drhondorp.com forward slash goals. And you can check that out today to guide you through because We're not feeling uncomfortable emotions just because we are feeling them in direct service of something that matters to you. So we are getting very clear on why we care about this and why we want to do this. It's not just feeling uncomfortable for the sake of feeling uncomfortable. So the idea of, so cognitive behavioral therapy is a very evidence-based and very effective form of therapy that works for a wide range of conditions. So I operate in this framework, many of my colleagues do, and the idea goes like this. So if you have an event happen to you, like someone walks by you on the street and makes a frown face at you, or just a frown face in general, your interpretation of the situation will impact how you feel and perhaps how you behave next. So If you assume they frown because they think you are fat or unattractive, then you might feel angry or sad or ashamed of your body. You might feel depressed or go into an episode of depression and you might stop walking as a result. Alternatively, if you were to assume, hey, they were probably thinking about something unrelated to me and they just randomly frowned, maybe they were thinking about something else and they happened to be looking at me. In that scenario, you might feel neutral, not down, and go about your day and continue to walk in that area in the future. So the idea with CBT is we identify unhelpful thoughts or beliefs like he thinks I'm fat and unattractive or an underlying belief of I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, and you examine whether that's likely true or not. And even if it is, were to be true, whether it's helpful or not, so examining kind of the utility and purpose of our thoughts and we can change the thought and practice thinking differently and then ideally we feel better. 
So sounds good, right? But what about when thoughts are really hard to change? So maybe we argue with them, but it doesn't really make us feel that much better. Or what about if they just won't go away? What if we're really down and depressed or really anxious? In those times, it can feel really, really hard or sometimes impossible to change our thoughts and beliefs, particularly when they are entrenched in feelings of shame, as much of our really hard stuff is, then what? What do we do? The energy required to sort of challenge each and every thought that we might have could feel daunting, and we might get pretty tired of fighting our thoughts and just have no energy left for the things that we need to do in our life, or we might spend so much time fighting the thoughts that then we are just emotionally exhausted and we don't have time to sort of work through the things that are that we need to work through to do the things that matter to us truly. And so the idea in acceptance and commitment therapy, which is um, really what's called a third wave of therapies, my, um, some people might disagree, but my take is that you can take concepts from cognitive behavioral therapy as well as acceptance and commitment therapy, but it's really helpful for these difficult thoughts that are just not going away to have another way to approach them that gives us more psychological flexibility. So ACT is the acronym used to describe acceptance and commitment therapy, and they use a lot of metaphors. So the one of the common metaphors, and if you go on the blog, you'll see a picture that I drew, so you'll see my art skills. This picture is of the tug of war with the monster metaphor. So in this metaphor, it's there's a, a dude on the left-hand side, and there's this big chasm between him and a monster, and they are playing tug of war, and they're both holding the opposite ends of a rope. And they, in this metaphor, the monster represents all of the uncomfortable internal stuff that we try to avoid. So uncomfortable thoughts, emotions, physical sensations, And the tug of war and the rope represents a a response that seems like it might be helpful, right? So I feel uncomfortable with these thoughts, so I'm going to do what I can do to avoid them. Like I'm going to try to pull this monster into the big chasm so he'll go away and I won't have to deal with him and then I can just feel good. Like I don't want to feel self-doubt. I don't want to feel anxious. And so I'm going to try to do everything I can to get rid of that feeling. So there are many things we do to avoid internal uncomfortable stuff. So there's lots of examples, some of which include playing a game on your phone if you're trying to distract yourself from anxious or sad thoughts and emotions, or maybe turning off your alarm clock and not working out even though you wanted to just because you feel too tired in the moment. That's a way to avoid the feeling of fatigue or the feeling of dis thoughts of not wanting to do something. Eating when you aren't physically hungry to avoid feeling uncomfortable feelings like sadness or anxiety is a way to avoid discomfort. And as you probably know from me already, hopefully, like it's not necessarily that these things are bad, but we just need to look at whether they work and whether they're serving us at this point in our life. So not exercising due to feeling winded or sweaty and just not wanting to tolerate that feeling or not wanting to see yourself in the mirror at the gym or something, or, um, you know, more broadly, not asking someone out because you're fearful of getting rejected. Those are all really common reasons to avoid and 
incredibly common responses. So in terms of the cost of avoidance, unfortunately, avoidance can become pretty problematic. So as we often talk about, it's not bad to eat when you aren't hungry at times. And sometimes it's the most adaptive way to cope with the tools you have or even had at the time. So if you did this as a kid, think about a kid that can't go anywhere and is experiencing emotional abuse in their home. It's pretty adaptive way to cope, right? And so you can see the utility of it in the short term, but continuing to avoid difficult emotions with emotional eating or anything else rarely solves the underlying problem, if ever. And especially if there's shame and guilt there, it's just going to exacerbate that stress and shame cycle. And then the cycle repeats itself. So learning to drop the rope and feel the uncomfortable feeling underneath whatever it is that you're doing to avoid can be incredibly freeing because it means that you don't have to feel perfectly motivated, free of anxiety or free of shame or self-doubt before you can start moving forward towards whatever it is you value. So I do think it's important to talk about how to, knowing what to move towards with this support of accountability. So we want to talk about where to use these skills because it's interesting in the past I've led weight loss groups where we talked about applying acceptance and commitment therapy skills to weight loss behaviors like recording calories. And it's, you know, I'm all about choice and you could do that. But we talk about in this podcast that, you know, sometimes many times the way we approach weight loss is ineffective and causes more harm than good. So really being honest with yourself as we always do about like, is this really serving me? But I think these skills of psychological flexibility is really essential for living in a world where pain, fear of rejection, fear of failure, and self-doubt are inevitable. So when we avoid these feelings, it can lead us to live in a small, disconnected, and less meaningful way. So when we think about like, what am I, what should I accept? What should I aim to be more flexible and aim to have? We're not really talking about using this in like a diet way. So not this idea of like, well, I'm hungry, but I'm going to avoid it in hopes to lose weight, right? That's going to be very counterproductive or, or like the idea of like, I'm always going to just crave foods and I'm always going to feel that pull to food and it's always going to be hard. And I'm, it's, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm always just going to have strong cravings. I'm out of control with food. We've talked before. And if you haven't already check out the episode about reducing binge eating, because many times the reason you have those strong cravings, if not all the times is because of restriction and because of diet mentality and because of biology. And so there's nothing wrong with you and accepting that would probably be counterproductive. What I'm talking about here is using these skills to accept and defuse from feelings that are inevitable. So especially as you're working on your relationship with food, just labeling, I'm feeling anxious about this party because there's a lot of food there. And in the past I would have binged because there was a variety of foods. Dropping the rope in that example means defusing from the thought, meaning realizing you're not, that thought isn't necessarily true or false. It's just a mental event you're having and realizing you don't have to get rid of it necessarily and feel super confident in order to go to the party and have a good time. You just have to set yourself up for success and focus on what you really want. And 
not spending so much time wrestling with that thought and feeling like I need to get rid of this first gives you more freedom and flexibility to live a life that matters to you. Assuming this is a party you really want to go to, right? If you don't want to go, then, you know, maybe go, not go, but not because of avoidance. So this idea of coping with uncertainty and lack of self-trust. So when we're moving away from a really strained relationship with food, lack of self-trust is 100% normal. And so this is going to come up. And the, you know, this idea that like, well, I'm going to avoid the food and eventually if I'm just going to eat it, this idea of sitting with the uncertainty of like, am I going to finish it or not? Is, am I going to binge eat eventually is a very difficult, uncomfortable feeling to have of like even practicing having some food and, and just sitting with that thought of like, I might want to have more. I mean, in there's, you could just allow yourself to have it and that's completely a valid approach. You could also, depending on where you're at in your journal journey, um, say like, I'm going to practice just having one and see how I feel and commit to that, not from a place of restriction, but that's sort of the mindfulness approach of just noticing. And it's hard though, to do that when you've had a really strained relationship with food, because there's a fear there of, well, what if it's just going to be the same as last time I'm going to just keep eating and all that's normal. It's all allowed. And so the idea that you have to feel a hundred percent perfect and like this in tuned, flexible, intuitive eating, the psychological flexibility concepts of dropping the rope means you don't always have to feel like that. And you can still choose to take good care of your body, even on days that you're feeling self-doubt and uncertain. You can still work on it. You can still be an imperfect human and that's all, it's all allowed. It's all okay. So, so yeah, the idea is being able to say, you know, I'm really craving this thing or I'm feeling anxious about this craving because I don't trust to have it and just labeling your experience, disconnecting from I am my thoughts and just you are a human that has different thoughts about your relationship with food. That's all normal. That is all okay. It is all allowed. So versus the rigid thought of I'm craving it. I have to have it. Like again, I'm all for unconditional permission to eat, but not buying into this rigid thought of there's no way I can have a cookie in the house and not eat it per se. That's sort of more of the extreme, but our beliefs can become very strong because of our experiences. And so psychological flexibility is, yeah, I can have that thought and that may or may not be true, right? I can actively have a cookie in the house and not eat it too, just if nothing else to remind myself that I have choice and I can handle thoughts that are uncomfortable, meaning that they're not consistent with the exact way I want to feel. Maybe how you want to feel is you want to have a cookie in the house and not care. And that'd be great. But sometimes it doesn't work out that way. So again, this idea of intuitive eating, I've talked about before. Intuitive eating has been incredibly helpful for me. I um, typically at this point in my journey don't have to accept a lot of cravings. Like I definitely give myself unconditional permission to eat. 
And that's kind of the magic of intuitive eating is, is over time when you don't restrict, it isn't a big deal. You become much less focused on food. Cravings tend to decrease over time. And it's just less, it's just like food becomes like a non-issue. And it's very exciting when you have not felt that way for many years. So when I talk about support and accountability here, psychological flexibility, I'm mostly talking about it to apply to other behaviors, you know, or, you know, occasionally about relationship to food. But I think that it's much more helpful to focus on other things you can control then maybe that's exercising to feel good if your relationship with the exercise isn't too strained or pursuing other things in your life that matter to you or connecting more with friends who have a similar hobby or it could be something like meal prepping so you don't eat out as much or something. But again, it doesn't have to be. You get to, the cool thing is you get to decide, you get choice. And if you're very used to chronic dieting and living in a very diet-focused world, giving yourself the choice and autonomy might just be the freedom you're actually craving. So that just permission giving to yourself of like, maybe you don't worry a lot about your relationship with food right now, and that's completely fine. And that could be a perfect way to move towards health for you in in, in that you're not obsessing about it. You're not super hyper focused on it and that can be the exact thing you need to achieve that more flexible attuned relationship. So and also I want to talk about this idea of like coping with thoughts of directly opposed to like what you want to do. So you might I always say goal setting is a skill. It takes practice and just kind of knowing yourself too and like knowing what works for you, what doesn't. We often set out to do things in our life and we're going to either follow through or not. And a lot of people I work with really might have good follow through on goals in other areas of their life, but with food and exercise, it just becomes a big area of lack of confidence in themselves. They don't feel effective. They don't trust themselves. So they just stop setting goals in those areas. And, um, you know, I think that sometimes it's important to note that like, we're just not going to want to do things that are important to us. And so not because we should, but just because we said we would. And so like once it's important to follow through on your commitments to yourself, just so that it doesn't undermine your belief that you'll follow through on commitments to yourself. And so as an example, I think I mentioned in the last episode, but as I am recording this, I was about to, well, actually I was writing this post. I have 30 minutes before I'm going to go pick up the kids. I really wanted to finish the post, but I also committed to doing 21 days of yoga for like 20 to 30 minutes is like a little program. I really, when I was writing this, um, right now that I'm recording, it's the next day, but I just had no desire to do it. I wanted to finish my work because I thought that would feel really good, but I committed to this 21 days. I shared with the body respect program participants that just for extra support and accountability and having the thoughts like, I don't want to do this. I want to finish my work. Yoga is boring. I don't have time for this. Like all those thoughts flooded and being able to say like, yeah, those thoughts can be there and I can go do the darn yoga because not from a diet mentality standpoint, but because I set that time aside for myself, I said I was going to do it and following through on our commitments is a great way to take care of ourselves. And of course there's going to be flexibility, right? Like I already missed of these, like I'm, I'm on day like 10 and I've missed a day. So not being all or nothing and rigid, but saying like, 
I'm going to show up for myself most of the time and, and feeling really good about that. So one other thing you might be wondering as we're talking through here is like, how do I know if it's diet mentality? And like most things, this is going to be a work in progress as you think about like setting goals and doing so from a place of like self-support versus diet mentality shoulds. And you're going to have to keep asking yourself the question and being honest with yourself. And this is definitely going to be different for different people. So like some people I work with have a very strained relationship with exercise. Others maybe less so. Some people end up using some form of tracking, but others decide to avoid it completely. And it's sort of a trial and error process for every person. Um, But definitely finding some form of community to work towards goals that feels helpful, non-judgmental is a pretty universal thing that's helpful for people. And this is going to be a learning process over time. And so continuing to ask yourself the question of, why am I doing this? Is this from a place of like wanting quick weight loss or wanting to restrict? Or is it from a place of like, no, I think I'll really feel good if I eat and move differently in this way. And then just trying it as an experiment and then seeing what happens, right? Keeping an open mind, but really trying to follow through on those commitments. And then if you find out like, okay, I just hate working out in the morning. I'm going to do it for a week and see how it feels. And then I'm going to give myself flexibility and choice to maybe make a change if it's not working for me anymore. So, so to sum up, there's some steps to build psychological flexibility and more freedom. And One of those is detaching from the need to feel good all the time before taking action. So the reason this is important is because it frees you up to follow through on your commitments, regardless of if you're having an off day or feeling unmotivated, but following through on those things that you know will make you feel good. And this is true of like really anything like low energy, but especially true if you're prone to more significant depression or anxiety when depression makes us not want to do anything and then that worsens the cycle, right? So psychological flexibility is really important there. Same with anxiety. Anxiety makes us want to avoid things that might really help us feel better. And so the same thing, not giving into that cycle and doing it in a way that's self-supportive or helpful to you. So again, number two, follow through on your commitments most of the time and evaluate afterwards. So if you set that goal, really making that follow through a priority for you, making the time for it, setting it in your schedule, and then afterwards maybe reevaluating if it's the the most helpful way to go. I also want you to hang out with people who encourage you to be brave, show up in the world, as well as take care of yourself. So I know this is something I've been working on is, is surrounding myself with people who strive for high goals, but also don't do it from like a hustle mentality. So they have this balance and they have this way of like pursuing what matters to them without completely burning themselves out. That is what I want. And to be around people who also want that is going to help me see how we can make that work. So surround yourself with those types of folks, ones that aren't just fixated on the number on the scale or even just eating and exercise, but thinking of health as a well-rounded, full picture image of what what health is and, and considering emotional well-being and rest and self-care and all of that into the picture. And then step four is, you know, obviously I'm biased. I'm in the middle of this 21-day yoga thing that I don't, I've done yoga before, but I've not done it 
that consistently. And um, mindfulness and or yoga is a way to build this psychological flexibility, especially the, you know, every yoga is a little bit different or mindfulness can be different, but finding ones that really encourage you less of like, let it go and feel at peace with the world. I mean, you could do that if you want, but I like the ones that really encourage you to like drop the struggle and just be with whatever's there now. So that could be positive stuff, negative stuff, whatever. You don't have to change it, analyze it, or get rid of it, but just being with what's there because spending too much energy trying to get rid of things first just keeps us stuck, living small and comfortable and probably keeps us from some of our biggest dreams and goals. So I want to hear from you. If you found this episode helpful or inspiring in some way, it would be amazing if you could leave a review on iTunes. This helps me know what content you're finding helpful and also helps to support the show in staying free. So if you know someone that could benefit from this information, please share it. The two of you could listen and support each other. I'd love to hear your plans. Send me a direct message on Instagram or tag me at psychology.of.wellness. And if you want help with clarifying your why and your values so you know what you're working on psychological flexibility for, grab that free guide at drhondorp.com forward slash goals. All right, everyone, have a wonderful day and I will talk with you soon. Thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable and it means so much to me that you're here. Despite the title of this podcast, many of our topics are not always easy. Change is hard and let's face it, life and truly looking inward at ourselves can be uncomfortable. That's why I'm grateful. Grateful for you and your willingness to listen, learn, and keep an open mind. I invite you to learn more by going to drshawnhondorp.com or finding me on Instagram at psychology.of.wellness. If you're enjoying this podcast, it would be amazing if you could give it a review so more people can find it. Thanks, and I truly hope you have an energetic and inspired day.